and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls. And we did just premiere our Bridgerton series that we're covering. Um, So tomorrow we'll be dropping episode two on our Patreon. Mm -hmm. So if you want to continue listening in, um, make sure to sign up. Uh, But this week on the podcast, we are covering Catch Me If You Can. Yes. And I've titled this one. Pan Am flight now boarding to Fraud City. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even practice that. That came out good. <laughs> you uh, you would make a very good flight attendant. Never. Why Actually, not? I thought about it before I moved to Arizona and when I was just trying to find something so I could move down here. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I was like, I could be a flight attendant that I could like go back and forth. But it's extremely hard to like get in. Like you have yes. to know somebody and then it's like seniority's crab. Yeah. And, well, well, we have a we uh, well, your specific nail guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he yes. is a flight attendant himself, and we hear stories from him. But I've also had interactions with others who, yes, seniority's big. And yeah. if you ever have the like like inkling to want to move to a different yeah. airline, good luck because all of that seniority basically goes right. completely out the door. But let me tell you though, I have a friend who flies for Alaska, and she like never flies. Like, what do you mean? Like, she, you only have to fly for, like, a certain amount of hours a month to, like, keep your status. Oh. And it is incredibly low. I don't want to say the wrong number, but it's, yeah. like, not that many flights a month to just keep your status and keep all of your um, benefits. benefits. Wow. Because her husband's in the military, ideal. so she's taken care of. And yeah. it's just, she met him when she was stationed up in... Uh, in Alaska. Wow. So. I mean, I every other day I consider becoming a flight attendant because I just, I just think it would be fun. I just don't have the patience. <laughs> like, I think I'm a good like passenger, but I know there's a lot of not good. Passengers, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, so, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so the book was originally published uh, in 1980. The full title of the book is Catch Me If You Can, The True Story of a Real Fake. Uh, it is written by the man who the story mm-hmm. is about, uh, Frank W. Abagnale, and it's uh, co-written by Stan Redding. So a lot of people didn't know that this was a real story. Like Boyfriend Ray had no idea. I also didn't really know it was real, but also is it real? Because maybe let's, let's it's get whatever into, he wants. <laughs> yeah, it's his real fake story. It's, it's his real fake story. Exactly. Um, it has a four out of five on Goodreads and it's 253 pages. And the movie came out in 2002. I don't know how I've never seen this movie. I hadn't either. But uh, it's PG-13. It's a biography crime drama. And it's two hours and 20 minutes long, um, directed by the infamous Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I... I think I've this is one of those movies where so many people told me to watch it and so many people mm-hmm. said it was so good. And when I tell people that I'm a Leo fan, they're like, yeah. Oh, have you seen Catch Me If You Can? And yeah. I'm like, No. no. <laughs> but glad to say that I have officially now seen it. Now you have. Uh, so the IMDb synopsis reads Barely 21 yet, Frank is a skilled forger who has passed as a doctor, lawyer, and pilot. FBI agent Carl becomes obsessed with tracking down the con man who only revels in the pursuit. The story, if it's real, man, I just don't. I think I, parts of it are real. Oh, I think it are. they are too. But I think a lot of it might have been embellished. Yeah. Let me get into it for you. <laughs> uh, so 
There is actually a preface to this to the book, which I didn't have it in my version. I'm I not sure either. if you did. This book has been rewritten, though, hasn't it? Did I you think, read about that? Well, yeah, because yeah, after the book, yeah. after the movie came out, yeah. Um, so the preface, and I'm assuming the newer version of the book reads: This book is based on the true life exploits of Fra- Frank Abagnale to protect the right of those whose paths have crossed the authors. All of the characters and some of the events have been altered, and all names, dates, and places have been changed. So basically, what was what came out was that he tended to embellish or certain parts of the Mm -hmm. story were kind of blown up if you will um in 2002 he actually addressed the issue um that of you know the Mm -hmm. truthfulness of uh the book basically saying that uh he was interviewed by the co-writer so uh Stan Redding uh, and basically when he spoke to him he only was interviewed about four times or they spoke only four times um, he says he did a great job of telling the story but he also over dramatized and exaggerated some of it so he's blaming it on the co-writer even hmm. though I mean he essentially his name is first on, yeah. on you know the author of this book um, he says that that was his style and what the editor wanted um, he always reminded he also he goes on to say he always reminded me that he was just telling a story and not writing my biography Hmm. even though this is technically either an autobiography or uh, yeah. it's it's um it's classified as a biography so i thought that was interesting more than that in 2020 a journalist by the name of alan c logan made an in-depth investigation in as part of publishing i was gonna a say book. can't someone just investigate this and see what yeah happened? so he he was writing a book and he decided to kind of investigate abagnale's life story mm-hmm. um basically he found earlier newspaper articles that ca- like i mentioned cast a doubt on his story and the truthfulness of it he found a bunch of administrative documents that contradicted many of uh Frank's Mm -hmm. claims. Specifically, there were documents that showed that Frank was in Great Meadow Prison in Comstock, New York, between the ages of 17 and 20, um, which is exactly the time frame during which he says that he was doing a lot of these forgeries and things like that. So that's, I mean, it. Again, you got to kind of take it as fa- at face value. I think, you know, the fact that he kind of is putting the blame on the co-writer yeah. when it's like, it's your story. Like you probably have a lot of say in how it's told. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Um, now I just like don't know what to think about this whole thing. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you take, again, take it at mm-hmm. face value, this movie is very interesting yeah. and like the plot is super interesting. But when you look at it and you think, huh, so it's, kind of inspired by true events, well the whole time i'm reading really. the, the whole time i'm reading the book i'm like no way i'm like no <laughs> way like are were people that dumb right to re- to just like i kept talking it up way. to the times because Me back too. then a lot of this probably wasn't as common yeah today this person probably would not have gotten There's away with no it. way but then i think about that series that just or that um documentary that premiered on netflix not too long ago about the con man what was what was the documentary called the tw- tinder swindler yes the tinder swindler <laughs> oh, and yeah. i'm thinking like okay if somebody like that can get away with this t- that type of stuff like that's true but he wasn't dealing with banks <laughs> no but again, the times, yeah, right? The true. banks probably weren't as highly regulated as they yeah, are now. True. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, I'm always like, now now knowing more about it, I'm like, yeah. mm, how much of this is actually true? Interesting. So just, you know, take it with a grain of salt as we move through. Th- Still a great story, no yeah, matter what. it is a great story. Um, last but not least on my fun facts, uh, not only was it uh, adapted into the movie that we're going to cover, um, but it was also adapted into a musical of the same name. Um, and that premiered in 2011 on Broadway. Interesting. Yeah. 
So everyone loves this movie. Um, it has a 96% wow. on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's in like the top 200 movies, um, best movies on IMDb, um, which I, I can totally see why. Um, the budget was only $52 million and it grossed $352 million. Dang. So it did very, very well. Um, the story um, that was sold to become a movie was actually a very long journey as well. Um, in 1981, it was originally announced that this was going to be turned into a film. It's only and, a year after the book came yeah, out. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, Dustin Hoffman was supposed to play oh, wow. um, Frank, which I could, to- in at, in that era. Absolutely. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, the real life Frank um, actually does make a cameo in the, oh. in this movie. He's actually the police officer who arrests, um, Leo on Christmas Eve, um, the, it's like the last time he's arrested. Oh, uh, okay. In France? No, at his mom's house. Oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> um, so the newly, um, the film has opens up with a clip of to tell the truth, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of an interesting way I thought to open the movie. It's actually based off a real episode that Frank was on. Oh, um, cause that was a game show. I don't uh-huh. know if it still is. Uh, they like reprised it. Now yeah. it's like with, I think, um, Anthony Anderson hosts. Oh, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, he was actually on an episode, um, he, and not one, one single panelist actually guessed him to be the real Frank, which I thought was funny. Um, just, so you can actually see it on YouTube. It just goes to prove that he is a very good liar, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. It made me think of, I just uh, listened to a podcast called the dating game killer mm-hmm. about, I mean, they ended up, uh, I mean, he, it had nothing to do with him being on the dating game, but this, this serial killer was a contestant on the dating game at one point in his life interesting, or whatever, but it's just kind of creepy. I always love those little tidbits. I think we, we, I mentioned that about, um, Sarah Dessen a couple yeah. weeks ago, how she was on uh, the weakest link. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> random facts, but yeah. I like that. I like to hear that because I felt like in the movie it was a cool open, yeah. but there was no, um, he wasn't sure why it was there. Yeah. There was no kind of loop around back to that. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that well, that was actually go. a thing. Uh, so the production, um, actually ended up shooting in 157 different locations throughout North America. Wow. So they didn't shoot overseas, but which is kind of cool because that kind of adds to the whole like travel or mm-hmm. the whole thing or whatever. Um, and then lastly, um, Mrs. Abagnale's house that we see where he get, where she gets remarried or whatever. That's the house that they use for one of my favorite movies of all time. Father of the bride and father of the bride part two. Oh, I do love those um, movies. So I thought that was interesting and, and funny. Huh. To see. I'd have to do a side by side to see yeah. if I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's jump into the cast. Um, so Frank Abagnale jr. Who is the fraud in this movie is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, he was 28 years old um when he filmed this wow. um leo is now 47 years old which is crazy um and um he looks nothing like the real guy like nothing like him. <laughs> i didn't even look him up to um, see. so one of the things that they thought was ironic about the choice of leo which i mean what guy doesn't want leo to play them in you Fact. know it's like leo or brad pitt yeah. right um they thought it was I- ironic though because frank in real life he was young but he looked old mm. and leo is known for looking younger than he actually is especially at this time in, in yeah. his life um but until until um the actual end result came up uh the real frank was like i don't think this is gonna work because i don't think leo is suave enough <laughs> i'm like okay okay <laughs> okay um so but anyway so yeah i i thought leo was great um a couple of things just to share real quick um 
Oh, actually, also, I read that uh, Steven Spielberg's first choice, actually, to play Frank was Johnny Depp. I could see it. I could totally see it. But I, I think Leo is a little bit more boyish and like but i guess the point is right i mean the book even says yeah. he's supposed to look older than he actually is because yeah. he can pass for a 26 year old yeah. so i think the opposite is true of johnny depp i think yeah. he can look older than he actually that's is. true yeah if you look you can look up frank's fake um fake pan uh-huh. Am thing and it like he looks like a grown man <laughs> like and he's supposed to be what like 17 yeah. it's kind of crazy yeah. um Leo obviously has been in a million different things. Um, one thing I did want to bring up is that he is the executive producer of a brand new series that just um, premiered on Apple Plus uh, at the end of April called Shining Girls. Um, and it stars Elizabeth Moss, who's in um, Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, in it, of course, it's based on a book. <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting. The, the premise of it says, years after a brutal attack left her in a consistently shifting reality. Kirby, whatever her last name is, um, learns that a recent murder is linked to her assault. She teams with a veteran reporter to understand ever-changing present and confronts her past. That sounds interesting. So, shining yeah. Girls? Shining Girls. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. But he's, I'll have to look up that book. He's the one that's <laughs> leading the producing team on that one. So it hasn't started. You said it has It premiered, premiered April okay. 29th on Apple TV+, Plus, which is, I think, the one subscription that I was going to say, have. I don't have that either. Random side note. <laughs> Total tangent. Canceled my cable today because mm. we have every freaking Finally, street. you cut the Finally cord. Finally, cut the cord. But I was like... All right, I have to like pump myself up. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let him talk me back into it. I got to just tell him no. And even Ray comes out and he's like, be strong, be strong. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, like, why do you want to cancel? And I was like, oh, I was like, we just got YouTube TV and it's like half the price for the same amount of stuff. He goes, okay, yeah, so you're going to the streaming thing. Cool, sounds good. Um, let me just give you the instructions on how to return all your equipment. Wow. I'm like, I think they are just like, all right. I mean, you got to. Like, Here we go. Th- you can't argue with it. Well, when I think about when I get such um, like uh, customer service reps who are so adamant about keeping me, I'm like, does this affect mm-hmm. you personally? Right. Like, do you <laughs> lose money out of your paycheck right. if I cancel? Because right. if not, I need you to stop fighting me. But I mean, they can't argue with it. I'm like, can you can you give me this price? Because no. if you can't, then here we are. That's exactly so, it. Like, if anyway. you were going to a different, like, if you were going to Cox from DirecTV and it was yeah. comparable, I could see him trying yeah. to, like, you know, keep you. Yeah, like, but yeah, that's. <laughs> so now maybe I can afford Apple TV, which I actually think we get through T-Mobile. So maybe I'll oh. go through there. Yeah, my mom was like a good customer. Oh, I think you can pick either Netflix or... Oh, you know what? You should do that because you use my Netflix. And then you can have my Apple. Yes. Okay, there we go. Done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, well, Leo might not have looked like Frank, but I thought he was great. But Leo is Leo and he can do no wrong. So, (laughs) Um, All right. Up next is Carl Hanratty, who is not in the book. Correct. He's kind of... um, He is the FBI agent that chases Leo throughout the book, um, which is a made-up character... Which I think actually this story needed it, though. The movie did. Yeah, there was one specific FBI agent in the book that they talk about more often than yeah. the others. But he does not have as, like, direct of a role as right. Carl does in the movie. Yeah. Which I agree. I think it was nice to see it kind of from Frank and mm-hmm. Carl's perspective as opposed to just Frank's. Yeah. So, um, played by Tom Hanks. Uh, he's got a lot coming up. He's going to be in the new movie Elvis, which I cannot wait to see. Not as Elvis, right? No, no, no. He's Elf. <laughs> No. Oh, you know what? I've seen the preview for that. Yeah, so yeah. he plays like Elvis's like manager. No, the kid who is playing Elvis um was Tex in Once Upon a Time yes, in Hollywood yes. and he's fabulous. He looks just like him. And he sounds like him. I can't wait to see the movie. Like, like is so that good. his actual voice? 
I don't know. That would be impressive. Um, yeah, he showed up at the Met Gala, like, still in, like, mm-hmm. the, I think, I was like, I almost got that feeling, like, which I hate to say, but, like, you know how the whole thing with Heath Ledger, how he got mm-hmm. so into the character, I was like, I feel like this kid still thinks he's Elvis. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, well, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. And I do feel like uh, certain times they, like, almost push that person to keep doing yeah. that up until like the movie premieres yeah. so that like people that's what they associate mm-hmm. every time they see yeah. him so i could see them doing that um but he's also going to be in pinocchio um he's playing geppetto um mm-hmm. okay. and then he's going to be in a new, new movies called a man named Otto, astro city and here so tom hanks you know just really keeping it going remember how tom hanks was like the first celebrity to get covid yeah and it, that's when everyone was like oh crap this is real honestly <laughs> that when, when the news came out i got so scared because yeah. i was like if tom hanks and Rita. Dies, like yeah it was it was it was really sad um they did say here that the fbi agent that was chasing frank um was a main inspiration uh for this character um his name was joe shea mm-hmm. um frank abagnale used the the pseudonym is that your name? pseudonym yep yeah. Um, Sean O'Reilly in the book because Joe Shea was still in the FBI. Um, he has since passed away. However, um, in an online interview, Abagnale said that Frank or that Tom Hanks did get to meet with a real, um, FBI agent to kind of see, um, exactly kind of that relationship that those two had interesting which is interesting because it's totally different than what's in the book and the movie. So, yeah, but like I said, it's not as like you know, direct of a relationship. Uh, But this was Tom Hanks seventh movie in a row to gross over $100 million. I mean, just raking in the dough. I think it's as he should. I I mean, nothing against Tom Hanks. I think he's a great actor, but I also feel like he's very intuitive on what's going to be good, which I Mm. think sometimes actors maybe just choose things and then, you know, well, when you've been in the business as long as he has, yeah, I think it just becomes like natural to What's like your favorite Tom Hanks out. movie, Castaway. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. You okay? He spends the majority of that movie by himself. To carry a movie by yourself is like not an easy. I thing. didn't say what do you think his he was best in. I just said what your favorite Tom Hanks movie. A- answer is Castaway for both of those. <laughs> What about you? I mean, maybe Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. That's uh, an but, ensemble cast. I mean, Sleepless in Seattle. One mm. of my favorite movies of all time. I think I've seen that like once and I don't so even good. think I was paying attention. So good. Anyways. <laughs> um, and then lastly, there's a couple other characters I have to mention here. But um, another main character is Frank Abagnale Sr., who isn't really in the book very much at no. all. Kind of in and out. In at the beginning. A little bit in at the end, but not not yeah. as much as he is in the movie. Um, played by Christopher Walken, um, he's gonna be in the upcoming Dune Part Two, which Ooh. I haven't seen the first one yet. Um, you really needed to see that in the theaters. I know. I'm so shocked you. It was kind of one of those in. weird times where it's like stuff was still streaming, but still kind of in the theaters. I mean, if I went to the theaters to see it, like that's saying something. <laughs> you went to like a special event I for know. you wouldn't have gone on your own. <laughs> no, not at all. Please. <laughs> um, he was nominated for an Oscar for a supporting role in this film. Um, he didn't win, but he does have an Oscar for a supporting role in The Deer Hunter in 78. So, Whew. I mean, Christopher Walken's Christopher Walken. Yeah, we need so. more cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, just to note, other people who are in this movie but didn't want to go into depth into it, 
Um, Martin Sheen is in this movie. Amy Adams is in this movie. Jennifer Gardner, Elizabeth Banks, and Ellen Pompeo. Crazy. <laughs> Which is I, so nuts. They just kept like popping up. And All I was the like, women. I know her. I know her. I know her. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Well, and it's so funny to see Ellen Pompeo in this like, you know, little ditzy you know, stewardess role yeah. or whatever. When I'm like, no, you are Meredith Gray and you have surgery right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing what on a plane? We, why are you on this plane right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so funny. Cause I think most of those people like, well, I mean, I don't think they were that popular, like specifically Amy Adams. Was she popular then? No. I mean, this has got to be just like right before roles yeah. of all of these women. Yeah. So, I mean, Grays came out, I think in 2005, four, four, four or five, five. Yeah. So I think like it was right on. Her so interesting. And she, and she looks so much like she did in, in the first season. So, yeah. And then Amy Adams looks like a toddler. She in this does. Movie. She like I mean, the braces don't help. I was going to say in the, in the style. And then Jennifer but... Gardner. So out of place, but it's, that funny. was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, Grey's Anatomy, I just caught up. So, I feel like one episode I see this every time, but I'm like, it needs to just end. It's never going to end. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> and so it's never going to end because people like you and me who have been diehards keep watching. So Absolutely. why would they end it? Absolutely. I love you, Shonda, but just just cut just cut it off. <laughs> I need my <laughs> life back. All right. Um, time for who said it. Uh, your first quote is modesty is not one of my virtues. At the time, virtue was not one of my virtues. Frank Jr. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it helps that it's in first person. Yeah. Uh, next one. When you're up there, hundreds of people will claim you as a friend. When you're down, you're lucky if one will buy you a cup of coffee. Frank Sr. Yes. <laughs> this That's one. so true, though. That's always my fears when I stop working in radio. Everyone's not going to talk to me. Well, I stopped working in radio and everyone stopped talking to me. So. <laughs> Oh, you don't have tickets anymore? Never mind. Yeah. Um, la- uh, last one might be a little tricky. Frank Abagnale could write a check on toilet paper, drawn on the Confederate States Treasury, sign it, you are hooked, and cash it at any bank in town using a Hong Kong driver's license for identification. The FBI agent. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. Well, technically it was is. like the former police chief, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it I to you. I was like, it's someone in the... <laughs> um, your choices for F. Mary Kill are... Movie based, not book based. Um, your options are Frank Jr., Frank Sr., and Carl. I think I'm gonna marry Carl because he seems the most steady at all. He's <laughs> the most steady income, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta kill Sr. because he. But he loves his wife. He loves his <laughs> wife, but like, uh, he's a little victimizing for me, you okay. know. And then I'll join the Mile High Club with Frank Jr. Yeah, you will. Sure. <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and agree with you on those. Fabulous. All right. So the movie opens up, like we said, with a, <laughs> it almost looks like a recording of the game show to tell the truth, yeah. um, where Frank is actually a contestant and it basically goes through like his con man resume or whatever, which going back now, knowing that he was actually on it is actually a really cool way to open yeah. this movie. Um, but then it goes into Carl Hanratty and he goes in to see, we basically get the, almost the end of this movie at the mm-hmm. beginning, which is interesting. Um, I love when movies do that. Yeah. And except, you know what I hate is when they're like, they get someone and then they're like six hours earlier. And I'm like six hours. Grey's Anatomy does that a lot. It drives me <laughs> nuts. I'm like, well, I know what's happening the whole time. Anyways. Um, so he goes, he's like in this really like, 
awful prison in Europe. I think it's, it ends up being in France mm-hmm. and he's there to see, um, he's there to see Frank and he's there to basically read him his rights for his American charges and to get him extradited out of this awful um, jail cell in France. Um, in the book, they kind of talk about how, um, and I don't know if this is how it really is, but in European countries, like jail's not a quote unquote cushy like it is in America. <laughs> They're like, they see it for an eye for an eye. They don't think that there's any, you know, no one can reform and yeah. it's just awful. Which sounds terrible. Like, I would hate to be arrested in anywhere. Well, anywhere in general. Right. But, like, specifically in Europe. Yeah. Because the book kind of goes into pretty gross detail about, like, what it was like. Yeah. And how dark it was. But not till, like, and... the end, to your point. Because yeah. it's technically the end of the, yeah. the story. The book actually starts with the very first time he deadheads to Rome. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Because we dive right into, like... Yeah, the con. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that about the the book. There, it just kind of went straight into it, which I always love. Also, can books. we just talk about like the concept of deadheading? Because like I would love to deadhead. Well, then become a pilot. Well, but like I don't want to do all that. I just wanna, I just want to deadhead. But basically, it's essentially you're getting a free ride mm-hmm. as a pilot. You're not the one flying the plane, but you get yeah. in the jump seat. I think is what they mm-hmm. call it, which is that tiny little seat that they pull out in the cockpit, um, and you just get a free ride. Sounds very uncomfortable though. But you get like a perfect view of the That's skies and you don't true. have to do anything. <laughs> um, so we're in this European jail and we see that Frank is like really not doing okay. Like he's coughing. He looks disgusting. So they take him to go see the doctor. And of course he tries to escape <laughs> while he's in Frank. there. Frank. Right. Um, so at this point, Carl ends up taking him home back to America. But then it flashes back to six years earlier to figure out how the heck we even got here. Um, but it starts with then um, Frank Abagnale Sr. getting uh, inducted into the Rotary Club, whatever the heck I was going to say, what is a Rotary Club? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like those were big back in like the 70s mm-hmm. and, and 80s. Um, but we're, we're supposed to believe that he's like this kind of head honcho in, in society and in the business world. Um, and then we like get home and, you know, we see his mom and dad together and they seem, you know, happy and, and normal and... And like just kind of a normal little family with a son. (laughs) I just Googled what a Rotary Club is. It's an organization of business and professional leaders united worldwide who provide humanitarian service, encourage high ethical standards in all vocations, and help build goodwill and peace in the world. Great. Sounds (laughs) like what the the Lions Club. (laughs) There's there's things called Lions Club that are kind of like the same thing. See, more things I don't know about. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so in the movie, Frank is an only child. Um, But in the book, we do learn that he does have siblings. Uh, So I'm assuming they just took the siblings out for... I I mean, we don't get anything about the siblings. Aside from the fact that he has them in the book. So So the next morning, though, in the movie, Frank wakes up um, and his dad is like, let's go get you a suit. We got to go get you a suit, right? So they go to the suit store and it's like closed. And then he sees his dad kind of like con this lady into opening the doors with this like fake necklace story <laughs> for her. Um, but basically what he wants him to do, he buys him this little chauffeur s- suit and he wants him to show up at the bank and like look like his chauffeur chauffeur. So he looks, you know, very wealthy and someone mm-hmm. who can afford that because he feels like if he does that, then the bank is more likely to give him a loan. Um, because we find out that his dad is actually in trouble with the IRS, which 
Is that the story we get about his dad in the book? Like, I was having trouble. Re- like, there's a lot of detail in this yeah. book. Yeah. Well, and he has, he does have issues or problems with the IRS and with his store. But I do think that they, like, ham it up a lot more in mm-hmm. the movie to, like, almost say that, like, everything Frank Jr. learned basically came from Frank Sr. Right. Whereas I don't feel like that was actually how no, it was portrayed in the book. It was all. very much like he kind of went his own way and decided to do all these things. Like I think yeah. Frank senior was still trying to abide by the law and do things, mm-hmm. you know, the right way. He just got into bad situations. Whereas yeah. Frank junior was very much like, I'm going to make something of myself and it's right. going to be this con man basically. Yeah. He, he was trying to figure out ways he did to, to have a better life than what his, yeah. what his parents had. Um, but anyways, this whole chauffeur thing doesn't work. His dad doesn't get the loan and they end up losing his car. They lose the house. And mom is like, beside herself yep. and she's very upset about it which does happen in the book yes so it's frank's six frank jr's six, 16th birthday um and we find out that his dad you know opened him a checking account and we see like frank like you know being like in awe of these checks or whatever and i remember when like i think i was like in elementary school like we got to open up our first checking accounts and it was like so exciting wait that early yeah it was like this like kid Oh, like okay. version so you of didn't it. get a checkbook <laughs> no we didn't get a check i don't think so but i mean you felt cool because you yeah. had a checking account but i mean we got a leah kid debit card and she has her own yeah. checking account which is crazy i remember when i got my first checkbook i got so excited i'm pretty sure i still have that same checkbook because no one writes checks anymore right i know <laughs> i don't even think like i feel like right when we were getting into being quote-unquote adults was when checks were like going out because yeah. i remember working in retail and people still paying in yeah. checks and having it be a real pain in the butt right so but it was like a main form of tender the only time i think i've written checks was at a certain apartment complex they wouldn't accept like online uh payments so you had to pay yeah. by check every month that's the only time i've used that <laughs> checkbook <laughs> just makes me think of all the times working in radio where we've had to fill out those giant stupid checks it's like the <laughs> reason the why checks. i only still yeah. know how to like write checks <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Frank ends up starting a new school, um, because they have to move out of the town that they lived in and he's getting picked on right away, but he ends up walking into his French class, um, that morning and he actually pretends to be the substitute teacher and like, you know, basically embarrasses the kid who, um, was picking on Mm -hmm. him and whatnot. Um, and it goes on for like a week, yeah, which is crazy, which does that happen in the book? So he doesn't actually pose as his own substitute but one of the fake professions that he mm-hmm. ends up having throughout this time frame is a college professor That's right so it was kind of a play on that i think but yeah because we don't get that in the movie we don't get that in the movie but there is quite a bit of it in the book where yeah. he actually poses as a sociology i think professor <laughs> yeah. um but i will say that's kind of technically in the movie his first swindle if you True. will right his first lie or his con uh the very first one that he does in the book is actually um buying a set of tires for the for the car that yep. they have and he basically talks the guy at the, the White walls. <laughs> yeah. He basically talks the guy into selling him a set of four tires, but then giving him the cash for it, but not actually taking the time. Basically, he was trying to get ca- cash out of this guy, um, yeah. and he ends up doing it. And then they, the police go to his dad, and they're like, you're buying all this stuff for a car that you barely oh, yeah, need it his dad gives for. him a credit card. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I didn't do this, which then they end up finding out that Frank Jr. has been trying to swindle all yeah, these people. Yeah, he bought like all these like <laughs> tires. They're like, well, you yeah. don't need the, that many tires. That's yeah. funny. Um, another thing that they don't really mention in the movie at all, which we get a little bit later, kind of, but like one of the reasons Frank starts his cons 
is because he wants to get girls. Yeah. Like he's 17. He ends up like having sex for the first time and thinks it's the greatest thing. And he needs to like date all these girls so yeah. he can get sex. So I just think that's funny that they didn't really mention. They didn't. I mean, it's not really his motive in, no. in this movie at all, which it kind of is in the book. A lot of it. Well, and I think what he refers to in the book is like the lifestyle of like having to like date girls, it's right? Expensive. It's expensive. So he needs all that money to right. be able to pay for it. <laughs> Um, so he comes home one day from, from school and we then find out that his mom might be having an affair with somebody. Um, which I don't remember the affair in the book or if it was, it wasn't like this big of a deal. There was no affair. They do decide to get a divorce. Right. Yeah. I don't think there was an affair. So Frank comes home one day after school again and their lawyer is there. And this is where you find out that, that his parents are getting a divorce and they want Frank to decide like right then and there what parent he's going to live with. Mm-hmm. And he's like, absolutely not. And he like runs off. He's <laughs> like, no, thank you. I'm going to go buy a train to New York and I'm not dealing with this. In the book, he actually ends up choosing to live with Frank senior. Yeah. Uh, and he does live with them for quite a while uh-huh. before he starts doing all the, the con work that he will yeah. eventually do. But yeah, in the movie, it's very much like, all right, I'm, I'm off, which kind <laughs> of is kind of the reason why he starts doing this, right? Because he doesn't have yeah. any money and he basically has to like be out on his own. So he's like, how do I make it, you know, an easy buck? quickly um and then we see kind of this montage of him getting kicked out of hotel rooms because he's writing bounce checks yeah um so he starts you know writing all these checks from his checkbook but obviously there's no money in there so he can't so they kick him out like in the middle of the night um we also see get a montage of him trying to like cash checks as well mm-hmm. and he keeps getting turned down for those um i don't he doesn't really get rejected very much in the book no well first he actually <laughs> convinces some kid to like right off the train he convinces some kid to just let him stay with him and his parents oh, yeah. so he gets like a free ride for a little bit um but then yeah once he kind of goes out on his own he doesn't really get stuck or you know have issues with yeah. you know doing whatever he is he's doing so when he's out on the street one day he ends up seeing a pilot get out of a taxi with all these beautiful flight attendants um and so he like follows him into this fancy hotel and he's like "Ooh, i want that lifestyle like that's what i want <laughs> Um, so this kind of, this next scene kind of happens in the movie, but not at this exact time in the book. Um, he ends up posing as a school reporter of a kid who like wants to like learn more about, you know, becoming a pilot Mm. and all the ins and outs. Um, so he actually goes in person to talk to, talk to somebody. Um, but that's not really how it happens in the book or when it happens in the book. Yeah. He actually already decides that he's going to do all of this, but then he i'm trying to remember what he was it like at the airport yeah so he like ends up in that like weird lounge because he already has a suit yeah and he's like in the like lounge of all the pilots or whatever and then somebody asks him a question that he doesn't know <laughs> like what equipment are you right on? so and so he's like oh shoot i need to like actually talk to somebody well and i thought you know kudos to uh, movie frank for actually doing his research and his homework beforehand and not getting stuck because i feel like in the book there were a few times where that happened even with like his other fake professions where like he clearly did not know what he was doing and he was just (laughs) flying by the seat of his pants yeah so he he very much flies by the seat of his pants no pun intended most of the book yeah pretty much story well and one thing to note right before this he does realize that he needs to pretend to be older than he is so similar in book and movie he changes his driver's license basically to say that he's older um so he does find out though that he needs an id badge and an faa license um 
And so he's like, shoot, I need to figure out how to get those. And so, but then he also realizes he needs a uniform. Um, so he ends up calling this like uniform hotline <laughs> place basically. <laughs> um, and he says that, you know, he, he says that he, in the, in the movie he says that he lost his, his uniform mm-hmm. and that he needs to get a new one. Um, in the book, I think he says, he claims uh, that someone stole it. He's not sure where it is. Yeah. But it's not because he was doing like, I, 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 I think it was pretty similar though. I think he oh, pretends thought, that he's. See, I thought in the movie that he just, or in the book that he said that he was like last minute, they wanted him to go fly and his, he didn't have his uniform with him. So he needed a new one, which is essentially, I mean, if he's kind in a of. different, cause yeah. he blames it on the hotel, right? In the movie. On the um, dry cleaning. Yeah. On the yeah. dry cleaners. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he goes to this like uniform wa- warehouse and this is where he finds out that, you know, they don't take cash or check for these that he actually can charge it to his account, which they didn't go into detail about the like employee number that he needed. Yeah. Well, and in the movie, it almost made it seem because this happens right after he meets with that captain guy. Mm-hmm. So he interviews him. Yeah. It made it seem like he, he used that guy's number yeah. because he had asked to see his ID to get an idea of what yeah. he was supposed to fake. So like, that's what I assumed in the movie. And maybe he did. Maybe that that's what they want you to believe. But in the book, he just came up with a bunch of like five bit random numbers. Yeah. Cause they give him a form <laughs> and they're like, Hey, fill this out. And he's like, okay, well it has spaces for five numbers. Let me just write, write them down. <laughs> Like, and I thought to myself, if, if it's like any other place where usually your ID starts with a specific number, right. like he would have been screwed. Right. So uh, the, their numbers also, must have been just This is also random. like back in the day when it was like, let me just take the forms and we'll deal with it later True. type thing, you know? True. Nothing, um, nothing was uh, computerized at right. that point. Um, another thing that they didn't actually put into the movie, which I was surprised, is that in the book he actually asked like, okay, but how can I get my wings? Mm-hmm. And then that's, oh, because then they... This is what I wish they would have put in because they tell him they're like, oh, well, you have to get all your hardware at the airport at the whatever, whatever. Yeah. And like he may in the book, they describe it as like it almost reminded me of like our merch closet at the <laughs> radio station where it's like chip clips and crap. Right. It's like, you know, they had wings and things for their uniforms. And I wish we would have saw that. But that would have been cool. My uh, I don't think I ever told you this, but my dad used to work for Iran Air when we lived in uh-huh, Iran. I didn't know that. And like he had all these like cool things like he wasn't a yeah. He was a, I don't know, the clerk that works at like the, um, when they check you yeah. in for your flights and stuff. But yeah, I just, it was like so cool when like he would come home and he had like, he had the toy airplane and he had the pins oh, yeah. and he had the this and yeah, that's cool. they got to fly a lot more. But yeah. once I was born, it was like, that was the end of his Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my dad worked for, my dad worked for Boeing for God, 30 years, 35 years or whatever. And he always had that stuff. And growing up, yeah. I was like, that's not cool. And now I'm like, man, like that, <laughs> that was actually cool. probably really cool. Did your dad get perks by working for I don't think or so. No? A perk, okay. like headaches. <laughs> like, and they, they were on strike like every other oh, year, wow. I swear. Yeah. No, my um, dad got to travel a lot. Yeah. I don't, I, no, I don't think so. Cause like we never, we went on road trips as yeah. kids. So, um, no, he like worked on the plane, so mm. it wasn't like the airlines or whatever, but I didn't I know like if it was like, they should. Yeah. So, I mean, th- they're the ones making sure that the plane is stays in the air. So yeah. you would think that. Did you watch the downfall on Netflix? The documentary about, about Boeing? No. It's fascinating. Is it? Yeah. It's about what was that? 2017, 18, when mm-hmm. those three planes crashed. Yep. It's fascinating. You should Ooh. watch it. Okay. Um, anyways, here we are. <laughs> um, so after he's able to like just charge it, you know, this uniform charge to the, to the account, he also finds out that 
he can get cash from the bank and the hotels and get his cash. Like his, if he has, you know, these right checks Mm -hmm. from Pan Am. So he ends up making a bunch of like phony Pan Am payroll checks by, (laughs) by taking the stickers off of the freaking model airplanes that these people sell in like the gift shop. Genius. Yeah. (laughs) So he makes like a lot of them. Um, I think in the book, he only really makes one of them and then he like takes it to a printer or something. Yeah. He, like, finds out ways where he doesn't have to, like, do it all himself. Correct. Um, so, anyways, he ends up going to the airport, and he actually gets his cash um, or his checks cashed there. Um, one thing I wish we would have gotten in the movie is he actually ends up, like, in the book, they explain that he spends a lot of time in the airport the first, like, go around just, like, walking around. And observing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He totally works his way up to mm-hmm. what we're about to talk about, which is the next scene. But like, to your point, he spends time kind of, you know, seeing what the other pilots do, what interactions they have, how much he actually has to give in terms of mm-hmm. conversations and realizes that like a lot of these uh, pilots don't really see each other. Yeah. Like, they don't know each twice other. In, you know, they, mm-hmm. they'll like maybe see each other in passing here and there, but like they don't know enough about each other to like be able to basically tell him apart from any other. Well, pilot. and like a lot of times they don't even work on the same airlines right. or whatever. So yeah. So the next scene we get is where he learns about what deadheading is and deadheading is basically where a pilot needs to, like you said before, he needs to get to one place to another without really having a ticket on mm-hmm. the plane. So they have this little like makeshift. <laughs> it doesn't look very safe. Um, <laughs> little uh, seat in the cockpit. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the book we get this like inner dialogue where he's like, Oh crap. Like I'm going to go sit with these pilots in the cockpit. Like, what are they going to ask me? Right. And so that's why he wanted to do all like the research behind it. Well, and it's so great. Cause I think the movie makes him seem like he's just got his shit together much mm-hmm. more in the book. The very first time he deadheads, the pilot asks him like what, what, uh, we actually get the same scene in yeah. the movie, but he actually knows the answer. He asks him what, what equipment, equipment he he's on or whatever. And he says general motors or something like yeah. that or like general electric which yeah. is like basically a, a fridge uh you know it's ge and like you can tell that he clearly doesn't know what he's talking right. about which makes him realize like oh shoot mm-hmm. i need to like you know put you know yeah. brush up on all of my lingo yeah well and he in the movie they do show him like not knowing exactly where the jump seat is yeah. and then they make it seem like he's might not has never been on a plane before oh i definitely got that because vibe. they take off and he's like oh my god yeah. <laughs> you know could you imagine being on a plane for the first time and being in the cockpit, like no, that would be wild. But that would be cool too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but this is where he ends up becoming um, friendly with the flight attendant, Marcy Ellen Pompeo. <laughs> um, and he like ends up like sleeping with her or whatever. And I actually thought that she was going to be more of the, in this movie, but she wasn't. No. And it very much is made. It seem like that's his very, his, like his first time having sex. Yeah. Whereas like in the book, we know he's, you know, he was already sleeping with yeah. girls. <laughs> um, so anyways, he keeps sending his dad's, his dad letters. And this doesn't happen in the book. He doesn't have that relationship back and forth with his dad no. at all in the book. Like he kind of just disappears. Um, but he's telling his dad all of these like stories of like, I actually got into flight school, you know, I'm going to be a pilot, all this stuff. So he's like trying to like set up these lies. So if his dad sees him, he's not going to be like, how'd you become a pilot so quick? You know? <laughs> um, but anyways, he ends up flirting with like the bank teller, which I think this is what Elizabeth banks mm-hmm. <laughs> and ironic. She, yeah, I know. And this is where he finds out a little bit more about, you know, what the numbers on the checks mean. So like most people only know like the check number, 
But come to find out the bottom of the check actually has your account number. It has the routing number. So he finds out more and more about what these numbers mean and actually how they're printed. Mm -hmm. Um, So and also how they're routed based off of those numbers. Yeah. So he ends up (laughs) at like an auction ends up buying a check printing machine, which I'm like, why would like, where can you you just buy a checking? Apparently you could back then. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, this is the next scene we get is actually the first scene where we really get that the FBI is catching on to what he's doing. Um, And they're trying to explain, you know, how he does it, you know, and they're trying to like make sense of it all. Um, In the book, there isn't like this whole like, oh my gosh, they're so close to getting him. They're so close to get mm-hmm. like, that's never, there's never that like anxiety of like, they're right on his tail. But it's so perfect for a movie, right? Cause Ooh, you, yeah. like, they're always two steps behind him. Right. Yeah. But I, I do like that. We, we got that. Like I said earlier, yeah. like the different point of view, as opposed to just the story from Frank's yeah. point of view. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like we didn't get in the movie, like we didn't get the full like extent of, all of the checks and everything that he Mm -hmm. was really like how he was, he was able to get away writing all these fake checks because they explain it so well in the book, especially to someone who like doesn't, isn't a huge number person or fully understand the banking world. Like they explain it on like that during this whole period, he's like would go somewhere and ask someone to cash this check for him being wherever and then they would cash it for him. And the way that he would get away with it is because they don't find out till days later mm-hmm. that this check bounced. So then he's well on his way. He's gone by then. And they didn't show all the different places he no. did this. Like, I just felt like you didn't get the gravity of how much money he was actually frauding yeah. people. They really know? only just explain it like how Carl says in this specific scene. He said he just says like he can paper the city with fake checks yeah. and then move on to the next city right. before they even realize. Yeah. So anyways, the next thing we get, because I just feel like the movie kind of jumped forward too quickly. Like we see him deadheading mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's meeting up with his dad to give his dad a new Cadillac. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Like, you're not that far along yet, but in, in, in reality he, he is, yeah. um, but his dad, and again, this doesn't happen in the book, but he ends up, you know, giving this new Cadillac to his dad and his dad's like, yeah, I can't take this. <laughs> like I'm still in really deep crap with the IRS. Like they're not going to like, let me just have a <laughs> right. Cadillac. Right. But to me, I'm like, dad, take the Cadillac, sell it. And then pay off the IRS. Like, come on, man. <laughs> well then the IRS is going to be like, how did you get all that money? Right. I don't so, know. So yeah, Who knows? it's a catch 22. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we now see that, um, that Carl Hanratty has like this quote unquote team <laughs> that they put together. Bunch of schmucks. Yeah. And he is like not having it. Like he has this funny knock, knock joke that I can't repeat on here, but, <laughs> but it's pretty funny. Um, but anyways, we, we see the FBI ends up showing up to the place where Frank is staying. So he's at this, like, I think it's a hotel at this yeah, point. It's like a motel. Um, but like everybody knows him or whatever. And Frank is still there and Carl breaks into the room and Frank just walks out of the, out of the hotel and pretends to be a secret service agent genius. And is like, you're late. Like he already, <laughs> we already got him. Like he's in handcuffs. Like we're putting him in the car right here. Like, what are you doing? And he actually hands his wallet to Carl and is like, here, you can look at my credentials. And he doesn't actually open the wallet. Mm. Right. And he ends up, He's like, well, I got to take all this for evidence. And he takes his cash, you know, his check printing machine and 
walks right out the door. There was something that was like a, a theme throughout the movie that actually starts with his dad is like, why do you think the Yankees always win? Yeah. And the idea is that everyone gets distracted by their pinstripes. Yeah. And this, the, like I said, the theme continues. Mm-hmm. Basically, at one point, um, Carl asks him, like, how did you know that I wouldn't open your wallet? Yeah. And he's like, you know, why Why did the Yankees? Because you, yeah. I distracted you enough that yeah. you didn't remember to look at that. You exactly. just took my word for what it was, <laughs> which I think is genius. Yes. Um, but his first encounter with the cops in the book isn't actually uh, mm-hmm. this scene. He, he while deadheading to Miami um the cops the regular like uh police stop him because they have suspicion that he might be doing something illegal um but but basically he talks his way out of it to the point where they end up apologizing for the mix-up oh yeah he's like like, what are you talking about like this is embarrassing for you yeah right and like basically gets out of it scot-free but like I feel like there's some instances in today's society I mean granted we worked in the concert business for so long and I shouldn't even probably be saying this in a recording but half the time if you walk around like you know where you're going mm-hmm. security is not going to stop no. you like <laughs> unless you have really good security that gets paid a lot of money they're not going to question you you know so and i feel like that's how he got away with a lot of this was just acting like he owned the place right. you know and that's what he did fake it till you make it yep uh <laughs> so in the movie now though there an article comes out and they have coined him the skyway man and he's the James Bond of the sky, as they call him, <laughs> 007. Um, so he ends up buying, Frank ends up buying a James Bond suit and car, which this doesn't happen no. in, in the book at all. But I thought it was kind of funny. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, if you're a kid and you get called James Bond, you're like, yeah, actually I am, yeah. you know? So I do feel like the movie kind of glorified it a little bit more. I think he was a little bit more kind of realistic in the book as to like, okay, clearly what I'm doing is illegal. I'm going to do just enough to get what I need, but I'm not going to go like be extravagant like this. Right. And basically like, you know, tell everybody like, Hey, look at me. I have all this money. (laughs) Look at my suit. Look at this fancy car. Um, So he's at this like fancy hotel one night and he ends up, like meeting a model, which is played by Jennifer Gardner. And she's like, I was on the cover of 17 or whatever. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so anyways, he ends up, she ends up coming back to his hotel room with him. And he basically, she, and I was trying to like figure this out in both book and movie. Cause this does happen mm-hmm. in both. Like, was she actually a model or was she actually a working girl who like conned her way in? Definitely a working girl. Yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah. But that's why I was like wondering, I was like, did he actually like, was he just trying to like, was that a line? Like, Oh, you're a model. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> like I, I recognize you or whatever. So anyways, they start making out and kissing or whatnot. And she's basically like, how much is a night with me worth or whatever? And he's like, I think in the book he goes 300 and she's like, try again. And he's like 600. And she like caves in right yeah. away. Um, he ends up end up settling for a thousand dollars, um, for a night with her. And he actually ends up, conning her (laughs) so basically what ends up happening is that he was like okay well i don't have that much cash on me like but i have cashier's checks like let me just go down and i'll you know write the check or whatever and she was like well whoa whoa, whoa. like just wait like you're you have a cashier's check here for fourteen hundred dollars like let me just why don't you write the cashier's check to me and i'll give you four hundred dollars and then it'll be even. Right. But what she doesn't know is that 
the check is phony and right. he she is actually now paying him <laughs> for the money so he's, oh my gosh so i was watching this movie with boyfriend ray and we're sitting there and he was like i would not pay jennifer gardner thousand so and then we looked we're like i were like okay back in that day a thousand dollars is roughly ninety five hundred dollars a month right okay. he was like i would not pay jennifer gardner ninety five hundred dollars for the night and i look at him and go i would definitely play pay leo ten thousand dollars for one night i was like sorry i definitely Re- replace jennifer garner with ariana grande and the <laughs> no. situation would be different it was just something i just look at him I'm like Oh, yeah. I can't say the same thing about Leo. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, would I would fork it over. <laughs> 100%. It would be well worth the $10,000. Yeah, $10, so anyway, so the next scene we get, though, does not happen in the movie where we get this relationship starting to form between Carl and Frank. And Frank ends up calling uh, Carl Hanratty on at the police station on Christmas. And it like, becomes their thing that they talk every Christmas. <laughs> so cute. Which does not happen no. at all in the in the book. Um, and then we see Carl Hanratty at a diner and while he's sitting at a diner, he's like looking at this like fake name, which is Barry Allen in the, um, like on these, all these fraudulent, you know, checks yeah. or whatever. And, um, I take it. You didn't know who Barry Allen was. No, not a clue. <laughs> which doesn't, this doesn't happen in, in right. the book, but anyways, like the waiter comes up and he's like, huh, big flash fan. Are we or whatever? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Barry Allen is the name of the flash in all of the flash movies or whatever. And so he's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so this means like this kid likes comic books or at this point he's thinking he's chasing a grown man. Right. And so when he sees us, he's like, which is so funny. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, Oh, you like the flash. You must be a child. And I'm like, do you know how many grown men love comic books? There's one that literally lives in my apartment. <laughs> also, I was thinking that I was like, if uh, boyfriend Ray was Carl, he would have figured that out like in a second immediately. But also like you can't, <laughs> you can't stereotype no, not comics all. with children anymore. But apparently that was the only people that liked comic books. Back Evidently then, was, was children. So it clicks with him. He's like, all right, this is actually a kid we're chasing. Like, let's look into missing kids in the New York area. And the reason that he's like, let's look in New York is because of the thing that he said in the hotel room about the Yankees Mm -hmm. and the pinstripes and Mickey Mantle. And he's like, all right, so I know what I'm looking for a kid most likely in New York. Right. I will say in the movie specifically, like with this Barry Allen name is very like different than like all of his other, you know, fake names. I feel like in the book, he very much stuck to his Mm -hmm. roots of like, variations of his name basically well, it helps he uses his middle name, name and yeah. all that stuff it helps when your name is frank yeah no. <laughs> you know <laughs> um so anyway so the fbi starts going to different uh different missing or houses of missing kids um so come to find out that his his mom had actually filed a missing police or missing kids report with the police years ago and so they show up to his mom's house well it's a new house because she is remarried um and she ends up showing him a photo and he's like okay this is the kid like this is for sure the kid (laughs) and they're and the mom's like it's okay like whatever he's done like i'll just pay you know because they're like you know he's been writing bad checks and she's like it's okay like how much is it like i'll pay it whatever and he looks like it's 1.3 million and she's like okay never mind right (laughs) yeah don't have that kind of money (laughs) okay never mind go get him (laughs) so so now we are in georgia and they do a terrible job in the in the movie explaining like why we're in Georgia or like how he stopped flying. Mm-hmm. Cause at, at some point in the book, he decides, all right, like I need to 
get out of the air basically well yeah like he especially because he's now realizing like the police are on to him yeah to a certain extent like it's probably about time that he shifted things and you yeah. know to take some of the heat off of him right yeah. like they're clearly they know he's doing something as it relates to pan am because he's been stopped a few yeah. times what either flying or in the airport or whatever yeah. so so he's now like living in this like really cool apartment complex in georgia um which again they don't explain very well but it's like this new hip place where all like young professionals like would would Young professionals who make a lot of money would yeah. live or whatever. Um, and he's having this like crazy apartment party or, or whatnot. Um, so I'll explain how this scene goes. So his friend like ends up getting hurt at the party. So he ends up at the hospital. Um, and then he kind of gets into his doctor con. Yeah. The con started with, with the doctor con started like the second he moved into the apartment. He the actually book. used... <laughs> He, he pretended to be a doctor on his application <laughs> right. to get the apartment because he's like, well, this seems like a, you know, a good enough or a decent <laughs> enough job right. for someone who would own this apartment. So I'm just going to call myself right. a doctor. Now. So up until this, you know, this whole time, like everyone's been calling him the doctor. He's like telling them this, these stories in the book about how he works at this hospital or whatever. Um, so that makes a lot more sense. So, but in the movie, he's at the hospital to see his friend <laughs> And he, like, ends up flirting with, like, the candy striper there. And then he, like, asks her, he's like, oh, hey, are they hiring here? <laughs> and she was like, well, like, because she's, he's like, are they hiring here? Because, like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and, like, I was like, what? Like, no, that's, like, not how it happens at yeah. all in, in the book. He ends up having to basically, like, because a real doctor ends up moving into the apartment complex. Right. The guy, a guy named Granger or somebody. But and, and when he gets the job, he's actually asked to take the job yeah. by the like head of the like, hospital do us a, a solid yeah and help whereas us out. in the movie he's very much like i need a job like let me you know and the guy's like do you really want this job and he's like yeah i'll take it yeah. whereas like like i said in the book he's, he's very much being like begged to take yeah. the job basically because yeah, it's, it's a crappy shift right it's the overnight shift yeah and they taking tell care of the people yeah and and i guess in the in the book and the movie they tell them they're like you know it's a it's a late night shift like you're not gonna have to do much it's just interns and and whatnot um very gray's anatomy moment Um, another thing to mention I, we talked about this earlier how amy adams character yeah. brenda is like she's basically a child she looks like a child mm-hmm. in the book she's supposed to be or she is 30 yeah so i thought that was interesting because in the movie case he's technically or not technically but he's pretending to be an older person yeah whereas in the movie she's t- or the book she's technically older yeah so amy adams plays the role of this candy striper that he meets when he goes to the <laughs> to the hospital and she has these like braces like full set of braces so she looks even younger than she is um but anyway so he gets this job as as a doctor um at this hospital and so one night he's there and of course he like fakes all of his resumes and 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 his harvard medical school degree exactly (laughs) um and so anyways he ends up like one night he like ends up making out with brenda the candy striper and while they're making out though he ends up getting called to the er and and the freaking kid has like a broken bone and he like looks at the at the like a interns and he's like like what what do you think we should do (laughs) and they're like i think if she do this and he's like do you concur and he's like 
sure like why not he's like okay let you do it i love it though because he was we get a scene right before this where he's watching mm-hmm. some show or something yeah. and i was like that's exactly me i look at gray's anatomy uh-huh. and i just think i know all things medical yes. but in the mo- like right after he he says do you concur before mm-hmm. anyone even said anything yeah he's like do i concur with what, what? and then so he <laughs> asked the other guy like what do we what, should, what yeah. do you think we should do well and in the book they talk about how like and i thought of the weber method in here because <laughs> they talk about basically how the interns loved it you know loved him working there because he would let them do things mm. you know and he would just let them take the lead on things which is just so funny. <laughs> which may not have always been the right way to yeah. do it but so i could be totally wrong but i think the kid in the hospital bed who's who broke mm-hmm. his leg um is the kid from lost oh see you say that now i have to now i have to go look. i'm pretty sure it is i only got a glimpse of him but like, I'm look it, it up. and I feel like that would have the around the year. So he looks like he would be about that age. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> but I don't know Keep if he'd be, I don't know if he'd be credited. In well, no, movie. I'm gonna look through Lost and then see if he's okay. credited for. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, carry on. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, Lost. Can we just have a moment? <laughs> so the next scene we get though um, is Carl Hanratty now goes to see Frank Senior, and at first when he gets there. Carl or uh, Frank senior is basically like, yeah, like I got a letter from him. He's in Vietnam. He joined the, joined the army. And at first I thought Frank senior actually thought that, Yeah. but it comes to find out that he actually is covering for his son. Cause he's like, I'm not going to give up my son. If which, you think that like, that's not happening, which makes total sense. Right. Cause based off of the movie, we're led to believe that he learned everything from his dad. So of course his dad would make up some story to cover for him. So, but while um, Carl's there, he ends up finding a letter from Georgia. What? Okay. I haven't found yet if this kid is the same kid from Lost, but apparently the kid from Lost was an insecure and I totally missed that. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, um, so now Carl Hanratty knows that Frank Jr. is in Georgia and actually has his his address. Um, so anyway, so Brenda the Candy Striper and Frank seem to be, you know, getting along and forming this relationship. And they're like in bed together one night and she tells her parents how or tells Frank about how her parents ended up kicking her out because she had had an abortion and that that wasn't something that they agreed with. So they kicked her out of the house and he, she's like super upset about it. And she says, and he goes, well, would it help if you brought a doctor home? (laughs) And like, I was trying to remember because he does, he does, this does happen. Like he does form a relationship with, like he almost gets married to someone in the book. But it's not Brenda. But it's not Brenda. No. I can't remember who it was. Um, Yeah. Let me, it's, I think it's further down in my notes. Um, uh, he falls in love with a girl named Rosalie. She's an yeah. uh, American Airlines flight attendant in San Francisco. Yes. They do go meet her parents and they talk about getting mm. married. He does eventually confess. And then she's the one, basically. It's essentially the Brenda the story, but a different girl. Yeah. So they end up going to her house for dinner. And, you know, they, they're they in New Orleans, I think. Yeah. And, you know, he ends up telling his dad or her dad, like, you know, he really wants to get back into law. <laughs> because he's been in law, I guess. Um, so anyways, but of course, you know, the dad, <laughs> the dad is also a lawyer. So he, you know, he's very interested in that. Um, at the same time though, we do get a scene where the FBI actually shows up to his empty apartment in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Did you find any results yet? Um, he is not in ah. catch me if you can, but I did 
figure out who he is in Insecure. Oh. But you haven't seen this latest season, no, have I you? Haven't. Yeah. He's uh he plays Oh gosh, I'm blinking on her name. What's Issa's best friend's name? Mo- Molly? Molly. Mm-hmm. He's he plays Molly's sister. Oh, gotcha. Anywho. He plays Molly's brother? Brother, thank you. <laughs> well, you never know these days. You never know. <laughs> um so anyway, so he Frank Jr. ends up asking uh Brenda's dad, like, how can I take the bar? You know, like and he's like, Well, I thought you wanted to ask me if you could marry my daughter. And he's like, oh yeah, that too. So anyways, he ends up passing the bar. And I think there was a scene earlier. Um, it was like a flash forward and it's hand ready or hand ready asking, uh, Frank how he actually passed the bar. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you cheat in that? Like, did you have someone take it? So anyways, we see that, you know, he did pass the bar and Brenda's dad ends up giving him a job as an assistant prosecutor. And I'm like, no way. Like, <laughs> no way. Like, this is not real, right? Should we talk about how he, because they do explain how he passes the bar in the book, or do yeah. you want to wait till later? Uh, you can do it till now. Okay. So basically, what we find out is that he technically took the bar three times. And I guess back in the day when you didn't pass, they would mark up your test and tell you what you got wrong. Yeah. So he basically took his like first and second test yeah. and studied enough to pass the yeah. third time. <laughs> that still is a thing though. Like if you don't pass it the third time, you can't take it again. Wow. Like that's like what ever. Yeah. Like you're done. Like currently right now I'm watching the new season of the Kardashians uh-huh. on Hulu and Kim just took the bar for the third time. And she's like, if I don't pass it, like I'm done. Wow. Did she pass? Well, I haven't dead. Oh. It's on the next episode. <laughs> it's what they teased in the next episode. Fascinating. But anyways, um, that's what we need is Kim Kardashian as a lawyer. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know she's doing good work. She'll probably do better blah, blah. than Amber Heard's lawyers. Let's be honest. Ooh, hot take. <laughs> um, so he, at, at this point, Frank Jr. ends up going to see his dad again. His dad is still in trouble with the IRS and he tells his dad he's getting married loves his Brenda and um you know he says you know I'd love I'd love for you to come I want you to be all dressed up because if mom's there maybe you and mom can get back together and he's like yeah your mom already got remarried to Jack Barnes my friend awkward and so he like has no idea like any of that had happened so you can see that he's like super upset about the whole thing um what uh just wanted to stop in terms of timeline uh as i mentioned he does uh become a sociology professor yeah. in the book this is around that same mm-hmm. time when he actually yeah. switches over to being a professor i feel like it'd be easier to con as a teacher than a prosecutor <laughs> yeah well yeah we even get a scene in the movie where he uh-huh. goes to a preliminary hearing and thinks yeah. it's like the full-on yeah. trial and the judge is like sir what are you doing absolutely not <laughs> there's no there's no defendant and there is no jury who are you talking to it's like how you know i watch criminal minds all the time and i feel like i could be a fbi agent yeah. like it's not how that's not how it works like i feel like i saw my cousin Vinny once and i was like yep i could do that i could definitely do that <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway so He's at this lunch with his dad and he ends up like running out. But before he does, his dad tells him, you know, keep going and they're never going to catch you. Like they're never going to catch you if you just keep running, which in reality, it's probably true to be honest. So, um, he makes a mistake and he falls in love, lands him in jail. But anyways, so, uh, Frank Jr. Ends up calling Carl Hanratty again on Christmas. Um, and he tells him to, you know, stop running. He's like, just stop running. Like, we're going to catch you. Like, it doesn't matter. 
So anyways, he ends up finding out that he's using the name Frank Connors. Like that's his new name that he's using at the moment. So he's now back in New Orleans. They're at this like giant engagement party, which doesn't happen in the book. No. And the FBI, FBI show up at the engagement party and ruin Brenda's night. Poor Brenda. Brenda. And so Frank is upstairs with Brenda and he's like panicking. He's like, I want you to run with me. He like tells her the truth about everything. Cause at first I thought I was like, all right, maybe this con with Brenda is just another con. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like he actually did really love her. Yeah. Um, And I felt like that way in the book about Rosalie as well. Well, and I think he thought she was like amenable enough that like she would stick by him. So he's like, well, if there's, if there's somebody that will, it's Brenda. So let me just tell her the truth and just make her come with me. Yeah. So he's like, all right, like meet me in at the Miami international airport in two days at 10 AM. So he ends up running, he gets out the window. Um, and right, right before she, he leaves, she's like, tell me your real name. Like, that's all I want to know. And he actually does tell her, you know, his real name, but I mean, at this point, the cops know what his real name is right. anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so anyways, he's in Miami and he's there to pick her up and he's like sitting there like, you know, in the cell phone waiting lot or whatever that equivalent was, <laughs> you know, in the 70s. Um, and he sees her come out and she like has the worst poker face, like seems super nervous, super on edge. And he looks around and there's like undercover cops everywhere. And I'm like y'all are blind because he's literally right there right and no one's he looking even gets around out of the car i'm like no how did one's you not see him <laughs> there's no shot that's not yeah. that's not happening yeah so anyways he feel he realizes that brenda has betrayed him and so he gets back in the car and he and he goes off that's essentially what happens with rosalie too yeah. he confesses to her and then he goes i don't think they do like this meetup situation but he goes to see her at one point and sees that there's cops yeah. around her and realizes that she gave him up so now the movie flashes forward to which they did again, they did kind of a terrible job. Like he's just randomly at a college mm-hmm. at this point and he's recruiting a bunch of girls to be Pan Am stewardess. And I can't remember how we made that jump in the book. Like what spawned that? Mm. Like, I know that he wanted to like keep traveling, but I can't remember like how that came about, but like it was super jarring in the movie. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Cause you're right. Like there's quite a bit that happens from like being a doctor to then going back to, to being, um, yeah. but it, it, they do a terrible job in the movie of explaining this whole con with the Pan Am stewardess. Like true. they don't tell like why he's doing it. We don't find out what these girls actually think that they're doing. Like none of that. Right. Cause in the book we very much, he positions it to them. Like you're not technically going to be stewardesses, but you're going to be a part of like a campaign where we're <laughs> yeah. going to just take pictures of you. And yeah. basically you're going to be the poster, you know, faces of this yeah. campaign, which is essentially how he gets away with them. Not having, having to go through any training of yeah. any sort, but eventually it backfires because people realize like these girls aren't actually stewardesses. They're yeah. just fake models. Essentially. I felt, I felt bad for the girls cause they were all very excited <laughs> to be Pan Am stewardess and they were just totally conned by him. Yeah. And he's like, don't, don't interact with any of the other stewardess because they're going to be very jealous that you guys <laughs> right. got this jump start that yeah. they didn't get or whatever. But in the movie, we just see him recruiting these stewardess and we see him like using, basically recreating that scene of, the initial pilot that he saw getting out of the taxi and these beautiful stewardess, you know, um, coming out and following him, which just reminds you, reminds you about how, 
back in that day, you had to be that beautiful to be a stewardess. Oh yeah. Like you had to be super skinny. Mm -hmm. You had to be look a certain way. And that's what they were. They weren't looking for any qualifications, but the whole like, you know, Yankee thing comes into play again here because he uses them essentially as distractions to get through the airport. So the cops don't see who he is. Yeah, exactly. So he ends up flying around, I think, what is it, seven months with these girls all over Europe, all over the world, basically. Oh, I thought he said two months in the movie. Oh, I have seven months. That could have been the book. Maybe it was the book. Yeah. In the movie, I think it said seven months later, um, they jump yeah. They jump forward. Um, and because they're like, I don't understand like how he's doing this because he's all over Europe and he's cashing real Pan Am checks. Um, another thing that we don't get, um, I think Rosalie's dad isn't he like a printer? And then that was another one of his cons. It wasn't Rosalie. It uh, might have been Rosalie, actually. But in France, I want to yeah. say, he does. He meets some girl whose dad makes checks. And he basically works out a deal with this guy to say, like, you're going to help me basically help mm-hmm. Pan Am because we need to, you know, print these checks. And if you could do it for me. So he actually gets the guy to mm-hmm. print, like, bu- um, like uh, bulk yeah. checks for him. He, he knows he doesn't. he's not going to use all of that, yeah. but he's like, well, if this guy's going to do it for me, yeah. I might as well have him do it. So. I loved how you just pronounce Pan Am as Pen M, like in the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Hunger Games. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Um, but at this point, Hanready's like, I, I, I let them get away. At this point, he's like, I don't know how to catch them. Like, and even like at everyone at the police station, they're like, yeah, you really screwed the mm-hmm. pooch on this one. <clears throat> In the so, book, I think at this point, he actually does get picked up by the cops in the Boston airport and he's taken to jail. Yeah. But then he's let go again. He, I thought he'd get, oh yeah, because they like, he like cons his way out of mm-hmm. that again. So anyways, Hanratty actually ends up finding him in France and he finds him on Christmas. I guess this is probably the replacement for the guy who he cons in the book to print these. I guess because, because Frank ends up finding or Carl ends up finding him on Christmas day in France at this check printing facility. And he's Mm -hmm. there like kind of off his rocker printing all these checks. So this does not happen in, in the book. And he tries to arrest him and, and you know, Frank is looking like he's going to run. And Carl's like, there's a bunch of cops out there and they're going to shoot you. If you go out there, like watch out, buddy, like, you know, or whatever. And he was like, I don't believe you. And he's like, well, you can choose to believe me or choose not to believe me. So he actually like swears on his daughter's life that, you know, that he's, that they're all out there and they'll, they're going to arrest him. So, or they're going to shoot him. So he actually gets Frank to handcuff himself and they walk out and there's nobody out there. I'm like, ooh, Carl for the win. But they end up showing up like <laughs> two minutes later. Yeah. So this whole mm. scene, because he does get arrested in France. Um, in the movie, I think that the, the city or the town is called Mont Richard, which is where his mom is from. In the movie or in the book, it's Montpellier. Um, but he actually gets spotted by an Air France flight attendant who recognizes him. Yeah. Um, and he she tips off the police, and he's he gets arrested while at the grocery store while he's shopping. Um, so it does happen. It's just not yeah. the same way. So Frank is, or uh, Carl's actually kind of upset because he wanted to arrest him and take him right back to the United States. Well, since the French police showed up, they took him into custody. So he's like, I'm going to, I'll get you extradited. Like, don't worry about it, buddy. Like, I'm like, why are you trying to do this guy any favors <laughs> yeah. at this point? Um, but anyway, so we do see him get, 
this is where he gets extradited from the beginning of the movie. Um, Carl does get him out and they're flying back to New York. And while they're on this flight, um, Carl tells Frank, you know, that his dad actually died um, falling down some stairs. He like broke his neck and that like sends Frank like into a tailspin. I do want to stop really quick because we did touch on it earlier. We don't get this in the movie, but he does. He spends six months in that terrible Mm -hmm. French uh, jail, which has like awful conditions. He then also spends a few months in Sweden because he gets extradited from from France to Sweden because basically he's been doing all these cons like in different countries. So they all have reason to. They all have reason to basically imprison yeah. him in their country. So he does go to Sweden. Then actually the way that he gets extradited is um, a judge in Sweden essentially feels bad for him because he's like, mm-hmm. after Sweden, you're going to have to go to another country and then another country. Right. So he basically works it out where he gets him ordered to be extra- extradited back to the U.S. Leave it to the Swedes. Yeah. The good, the good <laughs> the nice Swedes. <laughs> um, so anyways, so he after he finds out that his dad died, he's still on this airplane and he... Like just is just can't deal with it. So he goes to the bathroom in the, <laughs> which I'm glad we got this scene because I was having a really hard time envisioning mm-hmm. it in the book. Um, he goes to the airplane bathroom and somehow he's able to get the toilet like cover off. Yeah, and he's able to then get down into like the belly of the plane and he escapes and he's gone and he runs off down the tarmac. The whole time in the book, they're like, yeah, he goes down the toilet, and I'm like. What? No, I'm like no, wait, no way. But it makes sense when you actually see it. In yeah, the it doesn't movie. actually go down the toilet. He goes down the like side of opening it. or the yeah the side <laughs> of the toilet. Yeah. So, anyways, so he runs off and he actually runs to his mom's house, um, which this does not happen in the book. Um, but he runs to his mom's house, the father of the bride house, and he's like creepy. He's like a creepy guy staring inside the house, and this little <laughs> girl shows up. And he realizes that his mom has now had, you know, he has nowhere to go. His mom has a brand, a whole new family. Um, also, I was like, that little girl looks way too old to be like his in this storyline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, true. You know, I don't know. True, because she would have had to have been a thing when the cops went to see his like that his mom. mom or that kid was like at least six years old. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the storyline does not add up here. Um, but anyway, so. The police end up showing up at his mom's house, um, and this is where the real-life um, Frank arrests him in the movie. Um, he ends up sp- spending 12 years in prison in solitary confinement, which sounds absolutely awful. Um, One thing to note there, in the book, we we get a basically a story how he gets actually mistaken for a prison inspector. Oh, yeah. Uh, because at that time, they were doing inspections, yeah. and be- basically the FBI or the police would send in narcs mm-hmm. if you will to like yeah. scope out the conditions so he actually gets um mistaken for a prison inspector so they go easy on him because yeah. they want the police to think yeah. that they're doing a good job in, these, in this prison you want to know what job i would never want a prison inspector or like a are you kidding yeah yeah why would you an undercover want... yeah absolutely not <laughs> you could get shanked and i know that they would know like and if, yeah. especially if the guards and stuff don't know yeah what? What? Yeah. Why would you ever volunteer to do that? I don't know. That Maybe awful. you don't volunteer and you're just voluntold. <laughs> um, so anyway, so in the movie now, Carl Hanratty goes to see him on Christmas because that's their freaking thing. Um, and he actually shows some some evidence from a case that he's working on to Frank. 
And Frank's like, well, yeah, like this X, Y, Z, this is what this was this. And like a little light bulb goes off in Carl's head and he's like, oh crap, this guy knows a lot more about this, you know, these check fraud things that I'm ever going to know, you know? <laughs> and so the FBI ends up offering him a job to help out in the fraud unit under Carl's custody. And I'm like, what that's not realistic. <laughs> like no way. Um, so, but like in the movie, they make it seem like it's just another prison cell for him, you know, and that he doesn't really want to be there. And I'm like, Frank, like chill out, just sit down, work for the, work for the FBI man. And so he ends up like cutting out like his mugshot, and he buys another pilot suit and he like is at the airport, like, presumably gonna run again yeah and hanaretti like comes back and he's like i'm not gonna chase you like go ahead i know you're gonna be back on monday and sure enough he comes back so they like make it seem like the only reason he's doing this is because he it was the chase that was so exciting for him you know um and then when he comes back you know the end of the movie um is basically carl asking him again like how did you pass the bar like just tell me and he's like, I studied for it. <laughs> I didn't cheat. Like I studied for it and passed it. Um, but yeah, but that's how the movie ends. And then we get this, you know, script on the screen about different things about um, Frank and that he still works for the FBI and he's worked with Fortune 500 companies and he's worked with banks to stop fraudulent things. And he gets paid a crap ton of money. And I'm like, what in the world? Where- like how much is that is true? Because I have get no idea. Book. I have no idea. I mean, granted, the book was written in 1980, so who knows? But, like, yeah. I was like, mm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's probably true. Like, I guess I could have I could have researched it. But, yeah. like, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the book ends with him pretending to be an FBI agent at some point, right? Doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention, the way that he gets arrested uh, finally in the book, he actually goes to Montreal to grab some money that he had stashed mm-hmm. away, um, and the Canadian police grab him, which I'm like, the Canadians just doing God's work, man. For real. For real. <laughs> so quite a lot of differences between the book and the yeah. movie. I mean, when we talk about did it stay true to the book, conceptually, yes, but like a lot of the details change. Um, I actually forgot. This isn't my other changes that, uh-huh. that we don't even get in the movie. Um, obviously with, uh, um, Carl Hanratty being added, mm-hmm. but there was one scene where he goes to Eureka, California, where he meets this, um, I don't know. He's like a fisherman or somebody. I don't know where he talks to the guy and he, he basically writes down his actual information. Uh-huh. So his name and his dad's address on the back of this blank check. Yeah. And then unknowingly, oh, he actually, yeah. he writes a check and he, he, he actually gives the check out. So then he realizes, oh my God, I put a check out into the universe with my name yeah. on it, my actual name. So he panics and he actually pretends to be an FBI agent yeah. to go back and get the original check, which I thought that would have been a cool scene to see just because like we didn't see him slip because, up to that extent in the yeah, movie. Well, and doesn't it where he ends up like paying someone to answer the phone somewhere to pretend to be his supervisor with the FBI, which is really funny because if anybody out there watches supernatural, they do that all the time. So they have, yeah. So they, Oh, to get into these cases, they pretend to be FBI agents. And so they have somebody like on the outside that has like 
12 different phones. And if a phone rings, he knows he has to answer it and be like, yeah, I'm Sam and Dean's supervisor at the FBI. I'm Sam and Dean's supervisor with the Rangers or whatever. Like it just reminded (laughs) me of that. But yeah, you're right. Like we never got the, any of his slip ups. Right. Except from the very beginning when he was just getting rejected, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't, this one's tough for me. Are you going book or movie? I gotta go movie. This movie is just so good. It's so good, but the book is really good. The too. book is good too. Like I think the concept or like the the story, real or fake, who mm-hmm. knows? But like it's interesting. I just feel like I don't know. Leo just sold it for me. He did <laughs> well, and I think if I wouldn't have read the book, I would have thought that this was a fabulous movie. And yeah. it's just one of those things, like because of what we do, like I'm criticizing it all the time, being like, "That's not what happened. That's a, nope. That's wrong." <laughs> you know. So I feel like I always have kind of a little bit yeah. negative thing going into it, but. God, I think I got to go movie too, but the book is really good. And I like would suggest it to anybody. It's almost because it, it reads like a fiction novel. It doesn't read like a real true story. So fantasy basically (laughs) because the whole time, I mean, I just love this era. I love this, everything about the seventies and like, just the time frame and the style. And so I love seeing that come to life. Yeah, um, This is totally random, but because it's about um, that era in, in Pan Am, did you ever watch that show? That they made. Pan Am. Yeah. I didn't. But I thought, I, I think it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I see it's coming on. And then I was like, oh, I'll watch it at some point. And then yeah. it got canceled. Mm, yeah. So. I never watched it. I thought it would be like interesting to There's watch. There's also a never... show. I think it's on HBO Max called The, the Flight, Flight Attendant. Attendant. That's with actually Kaylee a book. Qu- without, with uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah. And I love her. So. My brother just told me to watch that. I haven't watched it yet. but It's a book? It's a book. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Everything's a freaking book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> but that, that just gives us more content, right? Honestly. <laughs> All right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Boovie Girls. You can also email us at theboviegirls at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. If you want access to our bonus content, including our movie serials, which we just started doing Bridgerton, um, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash the movie girls and we just learned today a little bit of tidbit not at all related to this episode but bridgerton season three has Mm -hmm. been announced we don't know when it's coming out yet but it's not going in order they're actually starting or this next season will be book four as opposed to book three they are going completely rogue and i don't know how i feel about it (laughs) all i know is that they better go back to book three so i can finish this series and then we can move on that's that's a good point because i like would want to read them in order but i don't necessarily want to read number three until we have to do it for the show do that (laughs) well I guess we'll have to see after we jump into book two to see how much crossover is, but I don't know. (laughs) Freaking Netflix. (laughs) Um, All right. So what are we doing next week? (laughs) We are doing one of the classics that everybody knows and most people love. The (laughs) the notebook. Uh, Boyfriend Ray has never seen the notebook. And he said like, he's like, all my ex-girlfriends always wanted me to watch it and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, you're watching it with me. For someone, I mean, I realize they're not the same, but for someone whose favorite movie is The Princess Bride, why, we, why has he not seen The Notebook? I know. And I know he'll cry at the end of this, too. I it know is he will. gut-wrenching. And oh, my God, the book is even just well, incredible. And he, likes and, just Rachel, like, and he likes Rachel McAdams. So, like. It's just, it's it's come iconic. On. Come on. I'm Have excited. you read The Wedding? Yes. Which is the sequel? Yes. Very good, too. Yeah. It's a little, like, I, I expected a little bit more from it. Well. I'll be honest. They couldn't, they couldn't make the wedding movie because of one 
key factor. Key factor. So it is <laughs> yeah, we'll it get is. into it next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye.